0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 9 called Fighting a Losing Battle. Now, the
1: one thing that Job had going for him is that he was taller than somebody. Because remember, the guy that gave the speech in the last two chapters, his name was Bildad the Shuhite, right? So uh, I have a little echo up here, guys, if you can maybe get that. So Job is going to answer, Job chapter nine, verse one, he's gonna answer Bildad the Shuhite, and he is at least taller than him, so... You know, if you want to look for blessings, sometimes you have to take, it's a little bit of a stretch to look for blessings, but there it is. He's taller than somebody. All right, there you go. Anyway, so Job answers, Job chapter 9, verse 1, Bildad the Shuhite, and Job's answer to Bildad's speech is going to be both right and wrong. Have you ever been talking to a salesman? Maybe you... We're buying a car and you ask, you ask a question like this. So let me understand, does the warranty last this long? And the salesman responds, well, yes and no. Have you ever had somebody? So I have a history of being in sales before I went into the, uh, the full-time ministry and I had a boss who would often say that. We'd be in a meeting and a potential client would ask a question and he'd say, well, yes, and no. That was his famous answer, right? So that's a a good way to wiggle out of something. Well, yes, but no. Yes and no. Which is it? Well, in Job's case, it is yes. He is right about some things. He's going to be right about things that he claims. In fact, at the end of the book, God is going to commend Job that what he said was right, but his perception about everything is not right. So maybe we could put it this way. Job's heart was right. Job wanted to please God, and I I believe he loved God. But his perception about everything that was going on was wrong. It it was flawed. Why? Because Job didn't have all the information. Let me ask you a question. As you try to assess the world, try to assess uh, stretches of your life, seasons of your life, you try to figure out the why question, you try to deal with all kinds of stuff, are your uh, conclusion sometimes flawed, yes. And you have a lot more information that, than Job had. In fact, you've read the end of the story, most of you. You know how the story ends. So, jo- so Job's perceptions being a bit flawed, I think we can give him a little wiggle room, a little bit of grace here. And sometimes when we're dealing with people who are working through stretches of grief, stretches of you know, maybe it's theological imprecision, whatever it may be. We have to give at least a little bit of wiggle room for people to work through some stuff. And this is what we're watching Job do, and we get to come along, ar- along for the ride. Job's perception, perceptions are certainly flawed, and there's times when we look at what he says and we're like, oh no, Job, but you know the end of the story. <laughs> it's convenient when you know the end of the story, but when you're in the story, and that's where Job is tonight. He's going to have some struggles. He has believed apparently in a system that says when you do right things, good results come, and when you do bad things, bad results come. But he's been doing right things and he's gotten an onslaught of bad results. And sometimes when you do the right thing, you are not always guaranteed immediate positive results. Example: Joseph will not sleep with Potiphar's wife He says, how can I sin against heaven and do this wicked thing? He resists her. He says no to her day in and day out. And where does he end up? In prison. Falsely accused. Wrongly put into prison. But the prison eventually became what? The elevator to the throne. Or to being second. And so he had to take a long route to finally get to the place that God would have him to be, to preserve a nation. Now, in the midst of all of that, Joseph did not know what was going on. Why did my brother sell me into slavery? Why have I ended up in a foreign land and Potiphar's wife? Why does this woman keep making these passes at me? Why, when I resisted her and did the right thing and kept my sexual ethics pure, why do I end up in prison? But then he's the second highest ruler in Egypt, His brothers come. He preserves the family of Israel in the famine. And the Messiah can still come from the family of Israel. Joseph, in the midst of it, did not know what God was doing. And at the end of the book, Joseph says, what you intended for evil, God what? Intended for good. To bring about the present result and to preserve many people alive. Now, he could look back on that and say, that's what God did. So sometimes God uses evil to overcome evil. Now, however you wrestle with this theologically, one thing that you need to know is that God is sovereign. He's ultimately sovereign over the universe, and he's even sovereign over Satan. As we looked at in the beginning of the book, even Luther said that, that Satan is God's Satan. So there's nothing that Satan can do unless God minimally allows it, right? And so, if that's the case, then what does God do when evil situations arise? God can take those and exploit those for his good purposes. The ultimate example is the evilness of the cross of Jesus Christ. It was a terrible evil perpetrated on a perfectly innocent, the most godly, the most righteous person that ever lived or will live it was evil, the cross itself was evil, but what did God do with it? He used it for the ultimate good. And sometimes our lives are gonna take some securitous uh, routes. we're gonna go the long way home, we're gonna wonder what God is doing, but God has a plan. He has good works that he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now I know that this doesn't answer every question for all of you, it doesn't for me. It doesn't dot every I and cross every T but it does give me some ultimate answers in terms of understanding the problem of evil and the power of the gospel. In truth, Job 9.2, Job says, I know that this is so. What does Job know is so? Well, back to Bildad's speech. He says in 8.22, Job 8, 8, I'm sorry, Job 8 verse 20, Lo, God will not reject a man of integrity, nor will he support the evildoers. He will yet... Fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouting. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame and the tent of the wicked will be no more. Earlier in Eliphaz's speech, if you look back for a moment to chapter eight, verse three, uh, I'm sorry, in Bildad's speech, he says, does God pervert justice? I think Job would say no. Or does the almighty pervert what is right? As Abraham put it, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? So I think what Job is doing is he is responding to the system that Bildad has laid out, the religious system, the worldview, and he's saying, yes, I agree with that. In truth, Job 9.2, I know that this is so, but how can a man or a person be right or be in the right before God? God never perverts justice. God rejects a blameless person. He rewards the righteous. I believe that, says Job, but that has been turned on its head. I believe something about life. I had a worldview and I tried to live up to it. I lived a blameless life. I was offering sacrifices for my children. I was trying to do what was right and pleasing, turning away from evil, embracing what was good, and my life was turned into a trash heap. What do you do when what you've believed about the world and get this, even the character of God is turned on its head? Now, what do you do when you believe that you did everything right and things still went wrong? That's where Job is. That's the question that Job is asking. And we began to dig out something that I put before you last week, if you were here, and we began to look at this idea of redemptive suffering. And I know it's a hard concept, but it's this idea. That in suffering, sometimes what God does is in our suffering, he allows us to become a beacon of hope and to give an answer for the hope that is within us with gentleness and respect. And I took you to 1 Peter 3.15 the famous apologetics verse and I showed you that the context of that verse is in suffering. And that someone might ask you, why do you live the way that you live? Why do you have the hope that you have? Why do you hold on to that hope in the midst of suffering? And that's when you can give an apologetic for the hope that you have, not when everything's good. When do you think people in the world might listen to you the most? When you're living on the top of the hill and all your blessings are raining down from heaven and you sell them the system, which is perpetrated all over television today, just do this and this will happen. Just read my book and this will happen. Pull this lever and this will happen. Pray this way and this will happen. And then someone calls one of those ministries and says, I pulled the lever, I paid the payments, I prayed the prayers. And the opposite has happened to what you said was going to happen. Now what? Now you have to realize something about God. God is good, as C.S. Lewis put it, but he's not always safe. God is God. God spoke the universe into existence. We are here because of God. And God's ways are higher than our ways. And I don't understand all of that because I have a very finite and small brain comparatively speaking to the Lord of the universe. And that's why you and I struggle. And so Job says, well, how how could I be right with God? How could I win the case against God? You ever watch those daytime court shows where the litigants come in and now entering into the courtroom mr smith who's suing mr johnson because he broke his typewriter from the 1970s here they come now right and then i don't know why people go on those shows because the judges make them look like fools right
0: you'll hear more from pastor michael in a moment Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here,
1: and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or
0: call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. You ever watch those daytime
1: court shows where the litigants come in <laughs> and now entering into the courtroom, Mr. Smith, who's suing Mr. Johnson because he broke his typewriter from the 1970s. Here they come now. <laughs> Right? And then, I don't know why people go on those shows, because the judges make them look like fools, right? So, uh, Mr. Johnson, you are saying that you did not break the typewriter of Mr. Th- oh, that's what I, quiet! <laughs> when I want you to talk, I'll tell you to talk! <laughs> okay. Why would anybody go on a show like that, right? Can you imagine if the litigants, if one day you were sick, home from work, and you turn on the television and it was Mr. Johnson against God? Can you imagine? What would that case look like? Now, Mr. Johnson, you will speak against the Lord of the universe. <laughs> Now, at the end of the book of Job, you know what Job's going to do? Job's going to have a chance before God. God is going to answer him in the tempest. And you know what Job says? Uh, nada. Except, Job says, I heard about you before. Now I've seen you with my eyes. I repent in sackcloth and ashes. I hear no evil. I see no evil. I speak of no evil. <laughs> right? Because in the presence of the Almighty, Job found his answers in the face of God. And I don't understand all those layers, but that's what happened to Job. And Job is asking the question as he goes through his suffering. He says, says, verse three, if one wished to dispute, ESV, to contend, if you have a New Living Translation, Job 93 says, if someone wanted to take God to court, He could not answer him once in a thousand times. Wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has defied, the word describes the action of a warrior bracing himself for a contest. Who defies him without harm? If Job knows deep in his soul that he really doesn't, can't think of anything to repent of, and he wants to talk to God and be right with God and be justified in God's sight. And remember, he still doesn't understand God's not mad at Job. God's been boasting about Job. But Job thinks that God is mad at him. And maybe you do tonight. You know, something goes haywire in our lives and we sometimes say something like this.
0: What did I do to deserve this?
1: And that's normal. But it may not be that God's mad at you at all. And some of us, you know, that's our immediate thing as we go to. Who, who can square off with God in a courtroom? Or some believe that the Hebrew here allows for a wrestling match. One writer says, In an ancient court, the winner often was the one who argued his position so convincingly and refuted his opponent so persuasively that he reduced him to silence. A second way of deciding a dispute in the ancient world was for the two contestants to engage in a wrestling match you ever done this with a friend all right here's what we're gonna do let's arm wrestle for it right or let's flip a coin or what's that rock rock paper all right two out of three five out of seven that's not even a legitimate sign what are you doing you can't hit your forehead you know Well, in the ancient world, apparently if you had a dispute, this was one option you had. You could size up your opponent and say, never mind, let's wrestle. And you squared off. And you wrestled your opponent and whoever won got their way. Now some of you remember that in Genesis 32, Jacob found himself between a rock and a hard place. He knew Esau and Esau's troops were coming and he had sent his a family across the river and he was waiting to see what was going to go down and all of a sudden somebody in the night grabbed old Jacob and a wrestling match ensued ancient MMA dust was flying they were wrestling until the early morning light and the the strange, mysterious visitor that night that we know to be the angel of the Lord or God himself, he said, let go of me. The sun is about to come up. And Jacob says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And the mysterious visitor went and touched uh, the old uh, thigh area of Jacob and boy, his hip went out of socket and he never walked the same again. And you know what? Jacob, his name meant... I have to admit it, I'm a conniver, I'm a manipulator, I'm Jacob. And that night, God renamed Jacob to Israel, which many scholars believe means governed by God, or get this, James Montgomery Boyce made a good argument that the name Israel means God prevails. Jacob Ding, ding, ding. In this corner is the master of the universe, the Lord Almighty, <laughs> right? And here's Jacob. All right, I don't know. What should I open with? What would be a good move, right? Well, Jacob was never winning in that match. He thought he was, but he wasn't. But in losing, he won in yielding to God's plan, in in finally saying, I'm no longer gonna be a conniver. I see where it's gotten me. I've been wrestling my whole life. I'm gonna surrender to you. And God says, you know what? Tonight, your name is Israel. You will now be governed by me. You'll be governed by God. See, this idea of the ancient wrestling match literally happened to a man named Jacob. And when I taught that message not too long ago, in this congregation, I asked a question. I'll ask it of you tonight. Are you wrestling with God? Have you hit the bell? Okay, let's wrestle. Some of you are limping. It's hard to fight against God. But that's where Job was. He says of God, this one that, He might wrestle with or go to court with. He says, it is God who removes the mountains. He's so mighty and powerful. They know not how. This is uh, some language of creation, but it's kind of turned on its head. God removes the mountains. He made the mountains, now he removes them. He overturns them in his anger, perhaps implying that Job thinks God is angry with him. Some believe this is even the language of volcanic eruption, God shakes the earth, verse six, Job nine, out of its place, its pillars tremble. How do you fight somebody like this? Who spoke the universe into existence? Psalm 82, one through five says, God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked, Selah? Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. In Hannah's song, Hannah said of God, he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he set the world on them. Psalm 104 verse 5 says, God established the earth upon its foundation so that it will not totter forever and ever.
0: You've been listening to Fighting a Losing Battle, part one on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter nine. Hey, don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on this station and on your podcast app. If you'd like to watch this message by Pastor Michael in its entirety, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find the channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, maybe these words have come out of your mouth recently. Man, it feels like I am pedaling uphill, fighting the losing battle, you know, (laughs) against the wind, whatever, whatever. Some of those are songs, but you know what? They capture a feeling uh, more than that, a reality that sometimes life just seems like it's against us. What do we do when someone got the promotion over us, but we felt like we deserved it or we keep doing the right thing and we run into roadblocks or difficulties? How, how How do I deal with that? Well, You do the right thing for the right thing's sake, not just because it gives you the right outcome. Because Jesus guaranteed that in the world we'd have tribulation. And I think of the disciples, they go into the boat, they obey Jesus, but they headed right into a storm. And it was a custom-made storm to stretch them and to soften their hearts, as we see in the book of Mark. So maybe you're in a storm and maybe the Lord— is exploiting that storm for his divine purposes, or even for the sake of someone around you. It's hard to know all the angles, but the book of Job is revealing that there could be more to life, and there is, than what we see. And that's where we have to pray, Lord, give me your eyes, give me your heart, even when I feel like I'm hitting you know, the brick wall on some things in my life. Well, I'd like to invite you uh, ladies and men to different Bible studies that we have going at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve a senior pastor. It's a great church in the city of Corona. It's really the church body behind Walk in Truth. And if you're looking to plug into a men's or a woman's Bible study, we have several of them during the week. And the best way to find out about them is to download the Living Truth app in your app store. It's a free download, red logo with the pillars. And you can find out about all the different Bible studies and events happening here at Living Truth in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. So glad that you're listening to the program. So glad that you pray for us and support us. We appreciate you all. Love you. And we'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless.
0: Remember, we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Job, but you can watch or listen to those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 9 called Fighting a Losing Battle. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.